Hello and welcome to Truer Love Stories, a podcast dedicated to real people wanting to create real love. I'm your host, Taryn Newton-Gill. In each episode, we'll explore the stories of people who are at a crossroads in their love life. I'll help our guests navigate their personal love story by providing them with holistic ways of writing a new, more empowered narrative around love, one that's truly aligned with who they are and what they want. Hello, hello, and thanks for tuning back in to Truer Love Stories. Are you ready to talk about sex? We are actually in the height of summer, and things have steadily been heating up here at Truer Love as we've been talking the last couple of months about hookup culture, a term that I learned in a great documentary called The Dating Project, which I highly recommend. You should be able to find it on Amazon Prime. And the term refers to the modern cultural expectation and acceptance of being physically intimate with someone early on before establishing a real emotional connection. And I talk about my own experience in hookup culture in my previous episode called Finding Love in a Hookup Culture and how hooking up with people I didn't know well really dysregulated me and I believe only exacerbated the issues I was already having creating healthy attachments with the men I was dating. So If you haven't yet, I really encourage you to check that episode out as well. It's a shorter one, so you can listen to it easily while cleaning your house or driving or hiking or anywhere else you like to listen to your podcasts. So today's episode is a bit of an extension on this same theme, focusing on how physical intimacy and emotional intimacy are connected. Except that this episode is with a guest who asks some really good questions about how to talk about what she wants sexually to her partners. And in my attempt to answer her questions, I touch on something that is really key in creating intimacy with someone. And so I want to highlight it here. And that is that we have a tendency to start trusting someone and feel like we're connecting to them on an emotional level when we have conversations with them about emotional subjects. For instance, maybe you've been in a situation where you've been on a couple dates with someone or have gotten to know them a bit, and you start talking about some deeper topics like maybe your childhood or your relationship with your parents or, you know, your feelings about a past relationship. Or maybe you've opened up about something non-related to relationships, such as, you know, your job or your career. And so you start feeling like, yeah, this is someone I can confide in and share some deeper stuff with. And it starts making you feel closer to them and, yes, more attached. And this piece of the journey, and by the journey, I mean the journey of getting to know someone and connecting with them and building intimacy it can be really important because we're sharing vulnerable parts of ourselves, right? And in doing that, it's building trust and getting to know each other. However, I want to make an important distinction here. Talking about emotional things is different than forming a safe emotional attachment bond. And here's why. When we talk about emotional things... We are building intimacy in that we're trusting the other person with some vulnerable or highly sensitive pieces of information. And so it can definitely strengthen our attachment to them. 
However, if neither person is triggered during the conversation, meaning there are no physical signs of them being emotionally dysregulated, their responses are within what's expected for the given situation. In other words, if neither person is being directly emotionally affected by the conversation in the present moment, then it's not really testing your emotional bond. Okay, well, why do you need to test your emotional bond? Well, this is why some conflict in relationship is healthy because it creates some disruption or disconnection in the attachment bond and then tests whether or not the couple are capable of repairing that bond. And so when we repair a fissure in an attachment bond is when true intimacy can be created because it opens up this opportunity to build trust in a really significant way. It shows us that we don't have to be perfect in that relationship, that we can be ourselves, that we can feel out of sorts and dysregulated and emotional and vulnerable, and that that person will still be there. This is why I say that the magic lies in vulnerability, because it's how we respond to this vulnerable state that can make or break the relationship. When we are present and respond well, when we are compassionate and reassuring, and when we receive this kind of compassionate response from someone else, we start to realize that we can trust them. And when we start to really trust someone, we start to relax into being ourselves more. We start to speak our truth more. And when we can do this, it makes having uncomfortable conversations, like say around what we like during sex, easier. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go out and pick a fight right now for the sake of building intimacy, but I am suggesting that we don't have to be as afraid of conflict when we can reframe it as an opportunity for building trust and intimacy. And I'm actually creating a new program right now that really leans into how to do this and lays out exactly how to start getting comfortable with being vulnerable in a secure way so that you can really start attracting that secure, committed partner that you're longing for. So if this is something you're interested in, the best way to stay informed is in my new Facebook group, Manifesting Secure Love, where I'll be dropping more knowledge like this and other exclusive attachment and dating and love-related content. So if you're a successful single woman who is ready to manifest some secure love, I very much invite you to join. You can go to my website at truerlove.com slash manifest and click the join group button there or simply search Manifesting Secure Love on Facebook. And don't forget to fill out the membership questions. I am really only inviting people who are serious about attracting a secure partner. And that means people who are willing to do a little bit of work like answering membership questions to start. So all that said, I'm excited to jump into our episode today and I'm hoping you get a lot out of our guest's story. So let's hear what she has to say now. Good morning. Good morning. So you came to me because you've noticed recently that you're not feeling super satisfied with sex, perhaps. And maybe you want to share your needs a little bit more in the bedroom, but you're finding that you're either uncomfortable or don't know how to say it. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's been going on with you and this experience? 
So I had not been seeing anybody when things locked down in March of 2020. And actually, that's not true. I've been seeing a couple people and was not happy with the sex we were having or was enjoying it, but knowing that it was coming from the wrong place. And there was a lot going on with me at that time. And so when everything locked down, I just kind of went inward, went super celibate. You know, I, I had sex with one person in like a year and that was really good for me because I had come out of a divorce and gone pretty wild sexually and and was engaging with a lot of different types of people and in different environments and, you know, enjoying myself, but also then realizing I needed time to understand where that was coming from. And, and so now I feel like I've come full circle as I've come back into the world as people have been vaccinated and, you know, and I, I'm also still not seeing anybody new. I, there's a few people that I knew from before lockdown who I agreed to see and was spending some time with in two really different circumstances. One being like, I've seen this person a couple times in, you know, at hotel rooms and then someone else more casually at his home. Okay. What's your relationship like with these people aside from sex? Like, are you friends? Are you we are friends. dating? We okay. are friends. One person I met randomly, the other person I met on a dating site. And so the second person, like we already had a romantic container. And when I started seeing him again, I told him that I was not physically engaging at that time, which he respected. And we spent, we spent time together several times, no physicality. And then I just, just kind of decided that I wanted to do that and engage that way. And have just been having a little bit of trouble around it because I mean, even like if you can tell now, like it's hard for me to say, I don't know. I, I don't, I feel gummed up. I feel like, you know. <sighs> so let's break it down a little bit. When you say you've been having trouble around it, what comes up for you when you say that? I think that it's like, if something is happening or we're having sex that I'm not enjoying, I don't know how to get out of it. I don't know how to communicate to my partner that it's not working for me. And we need to do something else. And maybe it's not about verbal communication. Maybe it's just about like physical adjustment. But I find I'm finding it like I need to say, be able to use my voice. This is a big, this has been like a big thing for me, theme for me this year, like using my voice, being able to speak my truth and be honest and authentic. And around sex and pleasure, like there's just so much baggage. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, first of all, sex is one of the most vulnerable areas, whether we're engaged in sex at the time or just in general talking about it, even when we're not in the midst of having it, it's a super vulnerable topic, right? It's like the most vulnerable thing if you think about it, being completely naked with someone. I always trip out on this. I don't know if I'm the only one, but that like someone else's body part is inside mine. Oh, yeah. You know, like actually emerging in a way. And, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, we've been talking a lot about hookup culture lately. And this idea Mm -hmm. that hookup culture is where we feel more comfortable having sex with people who we don't know and we're not intimate with as much outside of the bedroom as we are inside of it. Yes. You know, and I know you're familiar with this idea. And so it makes me curious, you know, when I'm asking about your relationships with these people, 
forgetting any labels like friend or dating or romance or anything like that, what would you say your level of comfort is in terms of like trust and closeness? Have you had any kind of deep conversations with these people? Have they given you reasons to trust them? You know, how much time have you spent with them? I'm curious kind of where you stand with them even outside of the bedroom. I would say yes. I would say yes to all that, that I've had many like deep conversations and meaningful exchanges with both of these people. Uh, I'm always looking for that kind of connection. Like even, even in environments where people were supposed to be like throwing their bodies around and like having sex willy nilly and it not being about anything beyond like a physical pleasure. I was always looking for somebody that I liked. And I was always looking for somebody who like I had an energetic exchange with. And, you know, and certainly there were people that like I didn't find super attractive who then once I got to know them, I was more attracted to them. That's always the thing with me. You know, like I don't tend to go for more like for like uh, the typical or like not typical, but kind of like the classic good lucks, like classic good lucks. I don't, I mean, I appreciate them, but I haven't, don't seem to find the the ones that I am attracted to look that way. Which I think is a great quality because I'd say most people aren't Don't look that way, right? (laughs) Right. And I'm always telling people, it's amazing how we have ideas in our head of what attractiveness is, but that once you get to know someone, attraction really can build. Yes. Well, and also I've realized, and I've I've done some of this kind of like splitting up to concepts where like, you know, I used to think of like physical touch as always being sexual. And I'm like, it's not, it can be sexual. It can be sensual. It can be platonic, but affectionate. Like touch is very, you know, varied. And I think that it's the same thing with people where the more connected I feel to them emotionally and energetically, the more beautiful they become to me. And there is a difference between being good looking and being attractive or magnetic. When you attract things to you, when people find something about you that they want to move toward, it's not necessarily the way you look. It is the way you look, but it's not like your looks, you know what I mean? You know, you see someone who doesn't, who's not necessarily like very handsome, but they've got a great style. They've got great energy. They're moving across the room. You're like, okay, like I'm feeling this. If you're a, if you're a movement person, which I am, I'm very in my body. I'm a dancer. Like, and I notice how people move. I notice their energy inside their body by how they stand. I mean, all that. So yeah, you're, you're attracted to their authenticity, their essence, their essence, yes. Their essence. <laughs> so in terms of, I want to go back to something else that you had said, which was, you know, kind of the point of this part of the conversation was, I don't have sex with people who I don't have some kind of connection with. There's definitely chemistry. There's definitely in-depth conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great place to start. And I want you to know that I'm in no way saying you should or should not be having sex with these people. This is an exploratory conversation. And, you know, in terms of attachment, I have thoughts on how quickly people should be having sex. And I don't even want to say should, but like, what is best for you? What is is your best sex schedule? If you know, (laughs) if you know that you tend to get attached up front and without having a lot of trust built, maybe you hold off on that physical piece. That is what I found. For myself, as someone who was very out there sexually and after, you know, she got divorced and, and, and had a lot of experiences and yeah. Yeah. Because 
we get attached quickly. And when you're having sex with people and all your hormones are raging, you are going to get attached quickly. And that's Especially fine. It's ongoing and you're having a lot of exposure to that person. Yes. Like when I had someone, you know, living in my home, you know, and you're seeing that person all the time, every day, and you're having sex and you're having other experiences and you just get caught up. Exactly. And this like whirlwind of like joy and excitement and, and it you feels know, amazing. Fan- and it feels amazing. And like the fantasy of like wanting this all the time, which is not real. That's not like a real, it's not a possible. I mean, you could, I mean, if that person, I guess was like, sure, I'll move here and be with you. But like, <laughs> it's, you- it's a lot of hormones yeah. and it's a lot of getting close very quickly. And that's fine if you can manage it. And if you can manage the anxiety it might trigger in you. I know I was really bad at managing it myself. Some people can, and I think more power to you. And I wish I could do that, but I had to learn the hard way that I couldn't. And so going back to these guys in your situation, I know you've spent a fair amount of time and significant time with both of them. You've definitely built a rapport. However, I'm curious, you know, there's a difference between having chemistry and feeling connected and feeling really, really close and intimate with someone. Those are two different Mm. things, right? Because Mm -hmm. usually we can connect with people, you know, especially if it's someone we have chemistry with, we could go deep real easily, you know? And I do. I do always, you know? Yeah. And I think talking about things is really important. And that's what tends to happen when you're connecting with someone in the beginning of a relationship, right? You're talking about, maybe you're talking about things that happened to you that were deep, like your childhood or this or that, but all of that's in retrospect, right? That's sharing and that's getting close, but there's a difference between that and having a present experience with someone where you have to navigate how you're both feeling in an intimate and vulnerable way, right? Like when vulnerability is on the table and you're actually actively engaged in that situation with that person, that is where the true closeness gets built is how you navigate that and how you respond to each other in that moment. And so that's really what I'm wondering is how many of those tough moments have you had with these two people, if any? I mean, I would probably say none. Yeah. We had already had sex after the fact he asked me what positions I liked. And I think that we, that we had sex multiple times that, that evening. But like, I think I just, again, I, I had like a reactive feeling of like, and I think I said something like, isn't that something you should talk about like before you have sex? And I don't know. I don't know how he took it or how he, I don't know. I had, a, it was not a good response and I didn't, but, but this is all, this is all from me because I'm the one who, has to say it. And I'm the one who has to right. create the conversation and say, this is what I want. And this is what I need. And this is what I like. And this is how I would like to engage. Because when I, when I just think about it in my head, they can't read my mind, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Nobody's a mind reader. And, yes. And. Yeah. Yes, and. Yes, and. I don't want you to be hard on yourself that you haven't been able to do that. Because the whole reason I took you on that little circle right there and was leading you to that idea that like only when we've had these really intimate situations with people do we start to really get comfortable so what's happening is you are connecting you are feeling close and those are all good places to start and of course at the beginning of relationships you can't just magically have these situations come up that breed closeness you know but then you are doing something at the same time that is very like vulnerability inducing and very, you know, can bring up discomfort. 
And so those are the situations you're now having to navigate. And because it's sex, that is the thing that is creating any kind of tension between you, because it sounds like otherwise you guys really haven't had an opportunity for much tension or friction. You haven't had to really work through anything. But now in this very, very vulnerable space is when you have to, and you don't have that kind of intimacy yet with this person, right? So it makes well, sense. But that's, but that's the question there is like, is the intimacy there? Because th- it's also different with these two different people, because like I said, one is, it's been more of an ongoing thing over several months. And the other one I've only seen twice. Okay. I've only seen this person twice since first meeting them several years ago in a very specific scenario. That's already the kind of like a fantasy scenario. And the first time we saw each other, what what I think made it so good was that I just allowed, I just like allowed and received mm-hmm. and I was able to be in my body and just like, yeah, I mean, like it, I was going to say like, let it happen, which sounds awful when you're talking about sex, because I've always had an incredibly <laughs> active part in my sexual experience where I'm like jumping around and changing positions and like, you know, like all over, all over the apartment, like whatever. (laughs) And not all the time, not all the time, but yeah. And so to just like lay there and be the recipient of, of something that is meant to cause me pleasure, Mm -hmm. like, you know, it was really special. And after that, you know, I, I told him, I just said, you know, I feel like I could weep in your arms. I feel like that, like that, and that's like, to me, that's ultimate trust. That's mm. allowing someone to hold you when you are the most vulnerable. And I've never, I don't think my ex-husband ever, he barely ever saw me cry, but he certainly never held me while I wept. That's amazing that you could feel that way with someone, you know? And and that is a certain level of in- intimacy. You're absolutely right. And I in no way want to take away from that or suggest that there's no closeness between you. But at the same time, Anytime we show our vulnerability, it's scary. We're taking a risk. Anytime, and especially, you know, it hasn't been said yet on this episode, but knowing you have an anxious attachment style, right? And so bringing things up that are hard or that you are afraid are going to hurt the other person, you know, speaking up in general, we know is sometimes a struggle for you, right? Those are some key characteristics of that style that you identify with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So just like in life, that's a thing, you know? So again, that's why I'm really trying to bring home this idea that like, even like, and this is part of what hookup culture does is like, we have numbed ourselves to this idea that we shouldn't feel uncomfortable in the bedroom, you know, like independent women, Mm -hmm. we're cool, like nothing phases us, you know, like the idea of being vulnerable is so shunned as weakness and like feeling uncomfortable, you know, that we don't want to show that in a space where that is like, you're bearing everything, you know? And so, you know, that's why I'm really just want to remind us all that like sex is vulnerable. Sex is not always easy. Sex is true intimacy. And even though we might enjoy it and the hedonist in us is like, give it to me with whoever. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if everyone's like that, but maybe not whoever, but like I'm open and I'm going to go around. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. There's a little bit of that. Yeah. Of that, like, but that is a whole other mindset, right? That pleasure mindset of like, I don't care who, I don't care how, like we're all just in our bodies and we're like in a puppy pile. And again, 
that was never my jam. I never, I was never interested in having strangers or like the, the very rare exception, <laughs> <laughs> I think one time, but, but generally, no, it's not like any, you know, I, I spent some time in the kink community and I remember a girl saying to me once, I would let anybody hit me. And she was talking about in a sexual space, like at a dungeon or whatever it was. And I just remember thinking, I fucking wouldn't. Like, like that to me, that again is like intense vulnerability and trust and like being, you know, in a scene with somebody. I mean, especially if there's like restraints or, you know, I mean, it's, it's a whole thing. And I, and I just, and for me, it's, it it was never just about the sensation. And I think this is another part of my, my problem with, pleasure and receiving pleasure is that it feels I don't want you to think of it as a problem and then sorry I just cut you off you said okay. that is that it feels what feels like I should be giving it I I don't deserve to receive it I'm so conscious I'm so in my head about how I look which mm-hmm. is another thing you know women have been socialized to always be worried about how they look because our appearance and our beauty is our currency And so, you know, and then we're supposed to look like a porn star because all these men are watching pornography that is completely damaging. And like, Mm. and it's not like, and I'm not saying, you know, it's like, I'm not demonizing pornography. I'm saying like that it's, there's a reason why there's an addiction epidemic like to pornography and that people don't know how to be in a relationship and they don't know how to engage physically and intimately and vulnerably. That's exactly what I was going to say was that just because someone is, hedonistic and enjoys sex doesn't necessarily mean that they're in touch with their emotions. They may be, they very well may be and enjoy it and be able to do it, but they also may not be, you know, or they could be using it to suppress those emotions or ignore them. You know, how much agency are they showing in the bedroom? You know, so it's really comes down to kind of being, I think that when you want to communicate to a partner in that scenario, it does take shedding so many of those layers because building trust, the only way you build trust is to risk vulnerability so th- and see that the other person catches you and responds and makes you feel okay, right? Are you tired of getting ghosted, wasting your time chasing after someone who won't commit, not knowing how to determine if someone is or isn't right for you, or just feeling generally disappointed by love? If so, you're not alone. Many women who are successful in their friendships and career struggle with love, but I'm here to tell you that love doesn't have to be so hard. There's an easier way, and I'd love to show you what it is in my new Facebook group, Manifesting Secure Love, where I'll be creating exclusive content, including my Manifesting Mondays, a weekly Facebook Live in which I'll break down everything I know about attachment, love, and dating to help you get crystal clear on how your attachment style is keeping you from love, reframe your mindset around love and dating, and put you on the path to creating more security within yourself so that you can manifest the secure, loving, committed partner you know you're meant to have. This group is totally free. All you need to join is a Facebook account and an open mind. If you're ready to manifest secure love, hop on over to my website at truerlove.com slash manifest and click the join group button or simply search for manifesting secure love on Facebook. And please make sure to fill out the membership questions so I can make sure that what I have to offer can really support you. All right, now that you know how to start manifesting, let's get back to today's episode. In the bedroom, I think what's happening for you is that 
you enjoy these people, you connect with them, you do feel a certain level of closeness and intimacy with them. But when you feel uncomfortable, that anxious attachment is flaring up a little. And Mm -hmm. because think about it, especially with, you know, we're talking about a heteronormative situation right here, right? And this can, you know, play a role in other types of sexual dynamics as well with different genders and different sexual orientations. Mm -hmm. But I know specifically in this case, you know, cis men or hetero cis men Ego is kind of a thing that happens with them in our culture, you know, the way that they're socialized, they mm-hmm. tend to struggle with their ego sometimes. And so I think we want to be, you know, women are taught to be gentle with them because of mm-hmm. that, to be sweet, you know, to not threaten them. And so especially in the bedroom, which is like the like space of their, like where their manhood is like thriving, you mm-hmm. know, where they're the most showing their manhood the most in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, right there (laughs) literally in front of you (laughs) literally in front of you I can understand why you're hesitant you know and why it's not easy to say how you what you want and say what you need because it's something you're practicing in life even outside of that very sensitive very vulnerable situation you know Mm -hmm. and so it's but if you think about it and you break it down like this it's no different than sharing your needs and needing the reassurance that we talk about outside of the bedroom, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same situation. It's like, can I take that risk and say what I need right now and hope that I say it in such a way where I'm being sensitive enough to this person that I don't feel guilty and I can give myself the permission to say how I feel and not feel guilty because I know I'm coming from as genuine a place as possible. And, And it's a risk and it doesn't feel good all the time. But it is how you build intimacy and how you get closer, you know? Yes. So now, how do you do that? (laughs) Well, this is my other thing that I just, of course, this thought immediately popped into my head was like, but I don't need to do that. I don't need to build trust and intimacy with these men because they're not, they're not going to be my partner. They're not my partner, you know, because when I think about like who I want to be with, what he, who he is, what he looks like, what his life is like, like. And I look at these two individuals, I'm like, they're not there. They're not available. They can't give me what I need. There are things about them that I enjoy. I like both of them very much. They're very interesting, lovely, kind, sweet humans with their own problems. And, you know, so I think that that's just a very easy way for me to avoid practicing this, which is like saying what I need, communicating my thoughts and feelings and, and, it's really challenging. As you remember from our January situation where you encouraged me to speak my truth with another man at that time who I also was not dating. We weren't even dating. We weren't even engaged physically, but there was a romantic container and I was, I felt sick saying this to him. Right. But I was so proud of myself that I did. And thank you again for, for pushing me there. Absolutely. And for everyone listening, she's just added herself as having been on (laughs) another episode. Yeah. If you want to sleuth, if you want to figure out who I am. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, exactly. And so here's the thing. There's nothing wrong, right, with having sex with these guys who you like and who you're attracted to, if that's what you want to do right now. But I think it's helpful that you can acknowledge I'm avoiding being close and truly intimate with these people. But I just... That, But that is where it circles back, though, to I want to be able to speak my truth in the bedroom, or at least I understand why I'm not, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's a decision for you to make. 
Mm-hmm. Do I, if I'm going to continue to engage in sex with these people, what am I going to do? Am I going to either say, I don't need to go there. I don't need to be that close. I'm fine with how it is. This is not my life partner. Maybe it's not, you know, certain things I'm not going to like about having sex with them, but I'll just deal with it. And maybe here and there where I feel comfortable, I'll say it, but I'm not going to really go there deeply. Or it's, hey, I'm engaging in something that is a pretty intimate thing with these people. And if I'm going to do this and I want to enjoy myself, I'm going to take the risk and just see how they respond, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, by saying something. And it could be something as much as saying like, you know, this is hurting me a little right now, or I'm not feeling very comfortable in this position. You know, you don't have to explain yourself or, you know, because there's always positive reinforcement, I think is great in the bedroom Mm -hmm. because men really do want to please. And that's a perfect place where they do want to please. And it, again, feeds their ego and helps their confidence when they know that you're enjoying it. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great rule of thumb in general, because I think that the more we tell men what we like, the more they try to do things like that. So Mm -hmm. you kind of like, you know, do it from a positive space. But if there's something you're just not liking, I think it depends what it is. Is it something that's actually hurting you? Because I would hope that in that situation, you can say, oh, this is hurts, you know, and you can make it lightweight. Like you can be silly about it. It doesn't have to be like, of course, you know, of course. shameful. No, 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 but that's, but I think that's, that's what's so interesting is that like, I, even then like, and it's not, not hurting where like, it's painful, but like, you know, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good, you know, because of the angle, because of the, you know, yeah, the, whatever, you know, and because to me it it I worry that you know they they will be offended they will because it's 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 my own projection of their feelings that don't exist yet right because my own productive projection of their feelings that don't exist yet yes you are projecting your anxious attachment on them because you might feel hurt or yes rejected or whatever if if someone someone didn't like something that I was doing sexually yeah exactly and 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 that's why I think using kind of those neutral kind of words like uncomfortable or Mm -hmm. this is, you know, this is making me uncomfortable. I mean, I personally think that a reasonable man who I hope you're having sex with reasonable men. (laughs) (laughs) I would say so. I think so. (laughs) I think so from what you've told me too. I think if you said this is hurting me a little or this isn't quite comfortable. I'm sure they would be happy to adjust. Yeah. They would be happy to adjust. And that's maybe when you, since you've had sex with them a little bit already, maybe you have a move in your back pocket that you know you like they do and you can throw (laughs) that out there right away. You know, you're reassuring them. You're reassuring them as you tell them, you know, and I think men really like reassurance in the bedroom. So I think that especially if you're already giving them that reassurance, because when we reassure people, whether they have a secure attachment style, or especially if they have an anxious one, which I think one of the guys you're seeing probably does have an anxious one, Mm -hmm. that reassurance goes a long way. So it's almost like kind of what's it called? Like, uh, preventative care <laughs> like preventative you're, care you're kind of cushioning the situation already you're making them feel good from the start by giving them reassuring things mm-hmm. and so that when you say something like this isn't quite comfortable for me it's not going to shatter them probably because they're going to already feel safe with you mm-hmm. you know and then it makes it easier for them to then adjust you know and then you just really hone in on when you're really liking something let them know say it in words or 
men can tell like in your body language, in your sounds you make, Mm -hmm. you know, that's also why they like porn. Like think about the women who we hear. It's true. They're very expressive, right? They are so expressive. Pornography actresses are very expressive. Yes. And whether it's real or not, who knows, but they know that that's what the man wants to hear, Mm. you know? And again, this is very heteronormative. I'm sure that people in, you know, of other sexual orientations, other genders are expressive in their own way. We're going off of this paradigm, you know? So, I mean, personally, I really like gay sex too. I mean, not just gay sex. I like- You like watching gay sex? I like man on man. I like like watching man on man. Porn. It's just like- (laughs) double the penis so i mean it just works for you double the man double the fun i mean hey let's i mean it's always been men you know fetishizing lesbians why can't straight women fetishize gay men i mean i mean i mean hey they're they're enjoying themselves like why shouldn't we enjoy them exactly so but we digress how queer of us i know i digress but you see what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. And I do appreciate that. And I think that this is, this is what's so funny about this. Like I said earlier about doing all this work around my voice, you know, my throat chakra, like, and I, and just, I am a vocal person. I like being a vocal person. And I, when I have been vocal, I find it to be very rewarding. And so I think that it's just me getting out of my own way. I think that's it. I think so too. And, and I, again, I know it feels really intense in that moment, but they, you know, they may very well appreciate it, you know, and, and almost, you know, our brain likes to, it looks for answers to things. So essentially when we're thinking and we're ruminating on stuff, we're looking for answers. I mean, if anyone's ever had anxiety, you know, that's what you're doing and you feel anxious. Mm. You don't feel comfortable with something. And so we're like searching for this answer, right? Mm -hmm. Our brain likes to find answers for us. And so when we give our brain a negative question, like, I wonder if telling them this is going to make them upset or feel uncomfortable, Mm. our brain looks for the scenario where that happens. And so it reinforces that idea. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if you're in the bedroom and you think maybe he'll respond well to this, like, you know, or like you can at least see in your brain the scenario of him responding well, Mm -hmm. it makes it feel a little safer. Now, whether he responds well or not, we don't know. You know, I mean, if the law of attraction is true, hopefully that would be the case. But it's more for your sake on your end for the programming and the thoughts that are going on in your brain to imagine, okay, what if he did take this well? And I think that might give you a little more confidence in saying it, you know, because it's the fear that's paralyzing, right? Is that yes anticipation of what they might say that could be negative or hurt, you may yes. feel, make them yes. feel bad. Well, absolutely. And it's, you know, and, you know, with regard to age, with regards to anxious attachment, you know, this comes from, you know, living in the house of a narcissist who, you know, it's like, you couldn't like the worst thing would be to upset them or affect them because then, you know, they take their love away or, you know, they make it unpleasant for you. So that's, that's like the story that I need to be shedding because these people are not, they're not narcissists and they do want to please and they do care about my pleasure. And and I think that, you know, they're doing what they've done previously that they thought other women liked or they they're doing things that maybe they saw in porn. I don't know. I don't I don't know. And and, and the, I think that they are doing things that they I know they are. I know they are because the, yes, the, 
I could see it with one of them, like literally him going through the motions, like, well, this worked with someone before. So maybe she'll like this. I mean, this where I, if I do it this way, like literally I could see it on his face. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah. It's so interesting. And, and though going back to that, though, the, the bringing it up and the kind of anticipating their response, Mm -hmm. the thing is when we can bring it up, even when we have that fear, right? Because that's the thing, the fear keeps us from saying it. But if we can push past that discomfort Mm -hmm. and take that risk, knowing that this is my story, I'm projecting on it, and I don't know how they're going to respond and give them the chance to show me who they are. Mm -hmm. And when you take that chance, that action is what starts to build secure attachment. Especially if it's someone who you trust enough to think, because what you've done so far in getting to know them and the time you've spent and everything, the, the sex you've already had, you've decided these people are safe enough so far to let me trust them as much as having sex with them. Mm. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes that's not the case when we're hooking up with strangers, like we said, or at parties or who, who knows the scenario, but people in these scenarios, met. yes. Like, but I in know, these I scenarios, these men, they know me. Exactly. We are, yeah. We have. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, okay, they're not going to be my life partner, but do I trust them enough to just say this little thing in the bedroom and, since the, the chance is likely that they'll probably be okay with it, that starts to tell your subconscious, okay, it actually is safe to say things like this. And then yes. it least the, and that's how you can use these people. Cause I know we've talked about, okay, I'm avoiding being super vulnerable, but I'm now that I've been divorced, I've been in quarantine. I'm very slowly testing the waters <laughs> and yes. putting myself in these situations. And part of why you're doing that is because you want to reemerge from that time being more secure. Right. And yes. this is how you do that. I do. Yeah, I do want to be more secure, but it's really hard work. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather someone just show up and then it, like it just works, and then I become more secure as we build trust because like he's my person. I don't know, but maybe maybe it won't be a he. Maybe it'll be a she. Who even knows? <laughs> Who you knows? never know. You I don't mean, know. or or someone How in between in the world. That's yeah, right. but but the truth is that could happen. I mean, I think I feel that's what happened to me you know, and I do think that's possible, but that isn't always how it happens. And I think in the meantime, it's good for you just for yourself, like without there being a goal of this is for, you know, my future partnership, but just for yourself to step into your own worth more and get your needs met and enjoy Mm -hmm. the sex that you're having at the very least. At the very least. That's, I was about to say, that's the point. That's, that's certainly, yeah. One of the points. It's a goal. Yeah. Yeah. And who and wants you, to be having crappy sex? Nobody. Exactly. And you deserve to have good sex. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I so, agree. Yeah. Does that provide some clarity for you? Yes, it does. Thank you. Good. And so now picturing yourself in the bedroom in with these guys, <laughs> what might you say next time? I might just say that's not comfortable or Mm. I like keeping eye out of it because it makes it less like uh, that. I think from my anxious attachment, it feels like less aggressive. Like I don't like something you are doing, you know, you are making me feel bad. You know, like the, the thing that that's not real. Yeah. It, it, it makes it sound less personal. Yeah. And so they might take it less personally. I think that's fine. If that feels comfortable to you. Yeah. But I think, honestly, I think that the main thing is that I need to have conversations with these people before I have sex with them again. When I think about just like, okay, maybe I just won't engage that way. 
then it feels like avoidance. Yeah. They do want to engage that way. I would agree with that. You know, and they, and they definitely want me to engage that way. So, you know. So what would these conversations look like and what would be the goal of them for you? To be able to just have clear, easy conversations, like literally, what do you like? What feels good on your body? You know, mm. what, it, cause like positions, like positions are fine and I can talk about positions, but like, you know, I, because it's, because I want that for them as well. I want to know what they like. Right. You know, I mean, I, and I do have, I do have some sense and I do think that there is, you know, I mean, there is like a body element of like, you know, massage and touch and, you know, that I have explored with both of them. But I think the last couple, that's the thing though. I think that it kind of like the last times with both of these people, they it kind of left me a li- with a little bit like, I felt a little used. I felt mm. a little bit like they were focused on their pleasure, their orgasm. Like, I mean, I also, I mean, orgasm is that's a whole other conversation. I have, I have, I rarely orgasm when I'm with a partner, neither of these men I've ever talked about that or they are not seeming like that's what their a goal is of theirs. So, you know, I do think that male to female, like it should be a goal to make your partner orgasm because you sure as fuck the men are orgasming. Yeah. So like, I mean, that's, I mean, I could probably count on two hands the number of times I was with a dude who didn't come. Yeah. Like that's, that is all, that's a given. It's like sex isn't done until they come. Right. That's, that's like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, that's. Yeah. And patriarchy. (laughs) It is. It is. It's absolutely. And so you're imagining these conversations before you're engaged in sex, like not necessarily when you're about to engage in sex because you might be in the heat of the moment. Yes. 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 No. Like, like I'm going to come over and say, Hey, and like, or we're going to have lunch or like, you know, we're, you know, or, or with one of them, I mean, we write letters to each other. So, and in his last letter to me, he did ask me about my pleasure. Ah. <laughs> so I know he's, he's interested to know. Have you responded to that? No, letter? I haven't. Do you think that you're avoiding it? I think that I, when I, the first time that we were together physically, I had, a thought to write. I thought about a lot of things to write him. And then I ended up not writing anything. And then he sent me a letter and, and then we've seen each other once since that letter. So it's really, it's kind of my turn, but also I feel that there are, there were questions in that letter that need answering. And certainly before I see him again. Do you think you specifically the sexual questions need answering or are there other ones? Yeah. Too? Well, there were things that I was going to say just based, I mean, we spent we, I feel like I learned a lot about him the last time we saw each other and a lot about like where he comes from and his family and his thoughts on himself and, you know, his own avoidant tendencies of like, you know, wanting to live in the past and be, you know, like, or projecting into the future. But Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I think that specifically I want to talk about that. And I, I wanted to talk, I was going to address, I was, what I think is important for me is to know when to be specific to the person and when to be more general about myself. And so do I need to tell him that there were things he did when we were together last that I did not enjoy? Maybe not. Maybe I just need to go forward with 
it's hard for me to say what I need. It's hard for me to say what I want. It's hard for me to, to stop when something doesn't feel good because I don't want to offend my partner. Like, you know, and just be come from a, a place of vulnerability versus like accusation. You know, sure. it's not about him. It's about me. And if we're going to engage in this way again, like this is what I need him to do and be. And also, and also I want, you know, I do, I mean, but or maybe I just leave it there. And then, you know, this is what I need right now. This is what I need, you know, yeah, in and this I think- moment because I'm my, my, because my tendency will always be to go to the other person. What do you need? What do you want? How can I pleasure you? I've, there was a lot of that, like, as I you know, became sexually active and then in my twenties of like, just really feeling good when like dudes liked what I did to them. Sure. You know, like a total ego stroke. And it's a form of validation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So he was asking you though, what positions you like, what things you like in the bedroom, right? Yes. Or sexually, it doesn't have to be in the bedroom. Like a very, <laughs> I think like old- We went old. Starbucks and- <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like calling it the bedroom is like a very- No, I love it. Cool love way it. Yes. It. It's very, it's definitely, it's definitely like OG. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, it's like my like classy way of saying it. Yes. Yeah. But going back to what you were just saying with the letter. So I guess I'm curious if he did ask you specifically, like, what position do you like, et cetera, et cetera, what you like and don't like, could you sit, like, are there things that come to mind that you would say to him if you were comfortable Yes, but I also like in the middle of your my conversation just now, I also was thinking like, I feel that I adjust to my partner, right? So if I'm like, if I'm like, okay, I like this position, but like, I don't like the way this person does that position, then I'm not going to get us into that position versus saying, oh, can you like, it needs to be more like this or like, like directing, adjusting, like vocalizing, like what I'm trying to get us into, you know, versus I, I yeah, and I, uh, and I always, you know, because for me, I'm always like, I just want it to be like natural and just like in, you know, intuitive and fluid. Like, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. You know what's funny? <laughs> as you're saying this, I actually have a fantasy where I get to direct every single thing about what my partner does and they're into it and they want me to tell them. Oh yeah. And so I literally can say a little this way, a little that way, deeper that way, harder that way. You yeah. know what I mean? Like softer here. So that would be here. awesome. I have such a fantasy. <laughs> the whole, the whole like thing is from like beginning to end exactly what I want. And I okay. kind of hope my husband's over here. I love it. Right now. I, well, I think that's um, a conversation that you're going to be having with him. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, that's a whole other conversation, but <laughs> I can totally see that for you. I can totally see that for you. <laughs> I know. But I think that that piece of it for me comes from the like, I want to be understood and seen and yes. known and felt. And like, yes. I want them to know by my body and by how I'm, I sound, like you said, like the, the nonverbal cues, I want them to know. Yes. I want it to be. But, you know, a lot of times it's it's not because you don't have that kind of chemistry. You don't have that kind of connection. Well, I would also say that's the difference between fantasy love and truer love. Mm. Oh, snap. Because <laughs> I think that we do that a lot, not just in terms of sexual stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. we just want to be understood and seen. Like so many people tell me, and I remember using, that I used to feel this way. 
you know, I just want to skip the dating part and just feel comfortable with them already. I just want to be able to like order pizza and watch TV on our couch and like feel totally comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want to do the hard part, the challenging part, which is getting Mm -hmm. to know each other and Mm -hmm. feeling vulnerable with someone (laughs) new because that will come. But with these people, it's unlikely that you would just, you know, and look, like you said, the first time with one of these people, you had sex and it was amazing. And you just like let, you just laid there and received it. And sometimes it is wonderful like that naturally. But if you are having sex with these people regularly and you're changing things up, chances are it's not going to be like that every single time, even Mm -hmm. when you do have that kind of chemistry to a degree, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's just the reality. And that's a reality of relationships and intimacy, you know? So it's all related to that wanting to have a more secure way of moving about your relationships. Mm -hmm. So with the, you know, letter situation, I guess, if you don't feel that you can respond and just say the things you like, because I hear what you're saying about it being specific to people, but I think it could be an interesting, you know, this person is literally asking you what you want. It's so interesting to me because what your challenge is here that we're talking about is being able to say what you want. And so even when given the opportunity, yes, flat out, yes, to say what you want, you're resisting. Yes. And so yes. to me that's really interesting because resistance shows us the things that like you said we're avoiding but that actually we, we really need to lean into. Yes. 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 And, and, I, and so, I know that. <laughs> and so look, you totally could take him aside or either of them aside and say like just so you know, you know, whether you say I have an anxious attachment or not, but it's like hard for me to speak up in the bedroom. You know, I think you could do that with people you trust and, and that's fine. But I wonder if that's also just bringing more attention to Mm. the communication in a way that's like, is she going to say what she really wants now? Like, am I going to have to second guess? Like, do you know what I mean? Versus taking the opportunity and the invitation that he gave you to say, just straight up say, generally, I like this. It really depends. You can be transparent. Really depends on the person. I do. I do love like, just give him a couple different scenarios. It can just be an, an opening. It doesn't have to be, this isn't the conversation in full. He might take tidbits of what you said and slowly apply them. And then you can try in the bedroom, kind of speaking up a little more there, here and there. You know, I think sometimes when we think we need to communicate with someone, we have this idea that it needs to be a big talk. Yes. You know, that we have to sit them down and have this heart to heart because, and that's the anxious part, I think, of the control. We're looking for the control. And when you can sit and have a clear conversation, that control feels really good. Mm -hmm. But I think that in these situations, since, you know, being secure is being able to bring things up every day in little ways, right? Because it's the little conversations that make up a whole relationship, every, mm-hmm. you know, all those instances. And so I think it would be really good for you to take the opportunity and write him back in the letter where you don't have to say it to his face. It's right. perfect it's situation. I know. And that's what I love about it. And I appreciate that where I'm like, I can communicate in various ways. Like it doesn't have to be this only one way where it's face to face and it's this big deal, this big thing, you know? Yeah. And it's actually really romantic. It really is. This is writing, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So I'd say like lean into that and have fun with that and really like, just feel like you can speak your truth there, you know, and it doesn't have to be specific or personal or anything, but flirt with it and have fun with it. And I feel like that will make it more like exciting in the bedroom and fun and maybe even more comfortable because Mm. you've opened the door to this conversation. That's what it sounds like he's trying to do. I think. 
you know, yes. he, he wants to, but he's doing it in this kind of sweet romantic way. You know, it's so interesting. I'm going to have to find that letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else today before we end this episode that you wanted to note or ask about? Just very grateful for the space and time that you afforded me this morning for reflection and guidance. And I'm feeling good. I feel good about movement forward with these people and, you know, how we might better, how I might better communicate so that we may better relate. Mm, Love that. And it doesn't mean you're going to have to relate like life partners, but just relating within the context of the relationship you already have. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing how it goes. Well, you know, you'll be the first. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Truer Love Stories podcast, produced by me, Taryn Newton-Gill, with the help of Guanisha Motley at One Elegant Exec, and edited by the amazing Max at Laguna Studios. If you'd like to anonymously share your personal love story and have me coach you on air, please email me at hello at truerlove.com. And if you enjoyed listening to today's episode, your support would mean so much. Please make sure to subscribe to the show to get updates on new episodes. And if you wouldn't mind just taking a couple extra minutes to review us on Apple Podcasts, your review goes a long way in getting more ears on our content. I can't wait to have you join me again. So in the meantime, stay true to yourself and talk to you soon.